Happy Friday, happy weekend. Welcome in to the College Football Morning Announcement. A little bit later this morning, late morning when we're getting after it on May 29th, 2020. Happy Friday, though, to you. It's Nick Shepkowski, as always, with a few different topics of conversation for you very quickly here to get you updated on the day's news in college football. Throwback Thursday last night at ESPN, a classic that I have to ask you a question about that I go back and forth on each and every time I watch the game that aired last night. Big news in recruiting in the transfer world for both Notre Dame yesterday and for the University of Georgia as they get a former five-star quarterback. We start, though, with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, what are you talking about now? Many things when Jim Harbaugh speaks and talks about things going on in the world that I appreciate him willing to take a stance on. Even if I don't necessarily agree with some of the things he's said before, I appreciate a man that's willing to go out and and, and say things that a lot of the world will see as controversial. And I appreciate that in a guy. I don't appreciate it when he tries to take a leak on your shoes and tell you it's raining, though. And that's what he did when he spoke to 24-7 Sports earlier this week. Have an article up at Fighting Irish Wire if you're interested in it, fightingirishwire.usatoday.com, that details exactly what was said. Long story short, though, he was asked how close Michigan was to winning a national championship. Harbaugh responded by saying, well, we've been about as close as you can be without winning one. Wasn't his exact words, but close enough to the words that he used. I... I think when we think of that and what Michigan's been since he's gotten there, it's been a program that's on the cusp of greatness, but how close are they necessarily? No year have they ever gone without three losses if you factor in the bowl games in a season. They've never finished with less than or fewer than three losses in a year. If he's talking about 2016 being the year where Michigan, Ohio State are playing last week of the regular season, And if Michigan wins, they go to Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game the following week. Well, they lose in overtime, and a very controversial call goes against them. As on fourth down, Ohio State looked like they were stopped, but a generous spot gives the Buckeyes new life. They score a touchdown a play or two later, and they kill Michigan's national title hopes that year as Michigan instead goes to the Orange Bowl, where they ultimately lost to Florida State. And Ohio State goes to the college football playoff where they get trounced 31 to nothing by Clemson. If that's what he's talking about and being as close as you can get without being a champion, well, you're kind of wrong, Jim. I mean, that Ohio State team got run out of the building by Clemson. That Michigan team was, at best, just as good as Ohio State. And I hate to do the, well, one team is... Clemson's better because they beat Ohio State by more points. Like, it's not just because of common opponents. It's if you've looked at college football over this time and over that run, you know exactly what I'm talking about and the gap gap that is there. Like, would you say Brian Kelly has gotten Notre Dame close to a national championship? He's gotten them close in terms of they've gone to the college football playoff, but he didn't have an offense that could perform at the level to, to compete with Clemson in the Cotton Bowl in 2018. He got him in the national championship in 2012 with a great defense that used every every ounce of good luck to get through that season unbeaten. Now, maybe it's a different story back in the old BCS days if Kansas State doesn't lose at Baylor or if Alabama doesn't get into the national championship game, then okay. But in this era that we live in where four teams are getting into the college football playoff, he's gotten them 
gotten him on the stage, but he's gotten him close. Like it's still a sizable gap there. I mean, it's you can compare this to a lot of coaches around the country, and I think it speaks to the greatness that we've seen from the likes of Ohio State in recent years, the likes of Clemson, the likes of Alabama, what LSU was able to do last year, how good those teams are, and then the step-off or the drop-off to where the rest of college football is. Listen, I'll, I'll give Jim Harbaugh a hard time a lot of the time. I like to. He's an easy target. He makes himself open to being a target by saying a lot of silly and ridiculous things, and this is one of them. But, yeah, you're not really close there, Jim. You haven't been close, and I guess just keep speaking it into existence because based off of recruiting numbers and recruiting rankings, you have somebody fooled. You have a lot of 16- and 17-year-old guys fooled in that sense. Some big recruiting news here to come still in just a little bit, but last night, throwback Thursday on ESPN. Don't know if you guys have been watching these at all, but they've been doing a college football game, throwback Thursday style, on these Thursday nights the last few weeks. I know a couple weeks ago I got caught up in watching Miami and Florida State. Got remembered of uh, Greg Reed burying people in Florida State and just how ridiculous Sean Taylor was in that game uh, for that Miami team. It's a 2002 national championship they showed last night. And I go back and forth on this one on that. Man, before the Texas and USC game in the Rose Bowl in 2005, like this was probably considered by a lot of people to be as good a college football game as you were going to ever see. Yet overtime, national championship game, you get the powerhouse in Miami that hadn't lost in over a year, and then you get uh, them matched up with an Ohio State team that, that used a lot of smoke and mirrors and a great defense and timely offense to get through their season unscathed and get to the national championship where they ultimately win. And it always comes up, whenever this game comes up, the pass interference call on fourth down in overtime that gives Florida, that gives Ohio State rather the fresh set of downs. They end up scoring, forcing the second overtime. And it's was it pass interference? Was it not pass interference? I I don't know if it's pass interference. I think that uh, when you look back at that play, maybe it was defensive holding, and it got called pass interference. But there's a lot of contact before, like the clip is famously cut at that. A lot of people that will argue that it wasn't a P.I. call, that shouldn't have been a P.I. call, a lot of people will argue that, oh, well, yeah, watch this highlight. There's no pass interference here. It's like, well, if you cut the tape at the right time, you're right. But ultimately, there was a penalty there, I think, and I think that the call was ultimately right. And I'll give Ohio State fans a hard time just because they're fun to pick on any day of the week. But, no, they earned that national championship. And and do we ever find out what happened to Ken Dorsey in the second overtime when he got hit and had to leave for a play and then he, he missed his tight end, a wide-open tight end on third down? Um, did we ever find out what had happened with his injury with his shoulder there? Because that was... You knock Willis McGahee out, you knock Ken Dorsey not out, but you make him less functional in the uh, in the second overtime there, and Ohio State able to walk out national champions. Also a highlight from that game that I had entirely forgotten about, that before Maurice Claret's touchdown run in overtime, um, when they flashed the stats of how he had been contained to just 1.6 yards per carry by that Miami defense, and Craig Krenzel, Yes, the fleet of foot Craig Krenzel had rushed for over 80 yards and a key first down in that uh, second overtime of that game that Ohio State ultimately won. But a thriller, and like I said, before we were blessed with the Rose Bowl with Texas and USC, 
I think a lot of people would call that the greatest college football game or at least greatest national championship they've seen. And there's a lot of good ones over the years, a lot of good big bowl games over the years, but that's right there on the list. That was fun to go back and be 16 years old again, or at least feel 16 years old again, watching that game for parts on Thursday night. Some recruiting news yesterday. Uh, change the pace with Notre Dame of what they're trying to do and what they're accomplishing. And a former five-star recruit to USC finds a new home. JT Daniels, if you're familiar with that name, quarterback USC two years ago as a freshman, five-star recruit out of, uh, out of the state of California, stayed home, had a productive freshman year, not a great freshman year, but a productive freshman year in 2018. And he gets hit with a couple of injuries last year, a knee injury against, I think it was Fresno State very early on, knocked him out for the year. And Keaton Solvis steps, into the, steps in and just takes over and plays very, very well for them and USC finds their new quarterback because of an injury to JT Daniels who looked like he was the next great thing while JT Daniels decides to enter the transfer portal and yesterday he decides that his new school his new choice is going to be the University of Georgia that creates an interesting dynamic for the Bulldogs this year if Daniels is ruled eligible to play because Georgia's already benefited from getting a a, a top tier transfer quarterback in Jamie Newman formerly of Wake Forest is going to spend his senior year at Georgia. And I, for my money, give me Newman over Daniels. But that's a nice get for Georgia nonetheless in that, okay, well, you have two quarterback options this year, even if you do like Newman more, and you have Daniels there for your long-term answer, you believe, as he'll have a couple of years, three years actually left, of eligibility to uh, to play at Georgia. So a nice get for the Georgia Bulldogs there. Now can Kirby Smart run an offense that doesn't look like it belongs in uh, 1992 with him? And can Georgia ultimately win big and win a national championship under the direction of a Jamie Newman or a JT Daniels? That remains the question. Finally, Notre Dame recruiting another transfer added to their 2020 recruiting class last night. Trevor Spites from Stanford running back. Didn't play a whole heck of a lot. Didn't get any carries in 2019, but ran the ball 90 times for the Stanford Cardinal between 2017 and 2018. It's not a knock it out of the park. Oh my God, put him in your running, put him in your backfield as a running back, and he's instant offense. But it's a nice get for Notre Dame, and it's a different way of recruiting that Brian Kelly and the Fighting Irish are going about things. It's a different way that you've seen here in the last few months than you have previously in Notre Dame's history. Their recruiting class for the class of 2020 checked out to be like 12th, 13th, depending on the outlet that you looked at. 17 total recruits in it, 17 total players signed their letters of intent. And that was part of the reason that was ranked lower. It wasn't didn't have the depth. Well, you had four players this offseason in transfers. Isaiah Pryor is going to have two years of eligibility. He's the defensive back from Ohio State that's going to step in and and probably fight for playing time right away, one would assume. Former captain at Northwestern and wide receiver, a big target, Ben Skoranek, is now part of Notre Dame. He'll have a year of eligibility with the Irish, the former Northwestern captain that was a key part of their offense when they went to the Big Ten title game just two years ago. And Nick McLeod, the cornerback from North Carolina State, he steps in and gives Notre Dame depth at corner, a position where if you were looking at the end of last year and saying, all right, where's there going to be an overhaul? Where's their reason for concern? By no means does he make it like a great secondary or answer all the questions there, but you have a veteran that's played an ACC schedule for a couple of years now that steps in is going to probably have a corner spot there. So Trevor Spite, same story. It's 
it's an added it's a running back it's an added talent to a backfield that maybe you're looking for a breakout star Chris Tyree probably not going to have the weight or pounds on him early on in his college career to be the difference maker at least right away that you're hoping he becomes with the Irish but it's more bodies it's more depth it's more experience that's played at a very high level and I think it's worth noting just the difference in recruiting that you just you didn't see this previously with Notre Dame. Occasionally you see you know, Amir Carlisle's of the day, Aloe Gilman was was a transfer. You see one, you see two, you have four in this class. And it makes me wonder if that's going to be the way that Brian Kelly and Notre Dame kind of operate this thing in the years to come where maybe they don't get the deepest of classes for freshmen coming in but they almost make themselves like a free agent type destination for some of the nation's better transfers. Maybe not the elite transfers, but some of the better transfers. That does it for this Friday's morning announcements, college football morning's announcements. As always, check me out on Twitter at Nick Shepkowski, N-I-C-K-S-H-E-P-K-O-W-S-K-I. You can do that. And follow along all of our work at Fighting Irish Wire as well. FightingIrishWire.usatoday.com will get you right there. Thanks for listening. As always, if you haven't yet, rate it subscribe to it and share it with any of your college football fan friends it's much appreciated have a great weekend we will talk again soon be safe be smart and enjoy your weekend